and a welcome to a new, an actually fucking new episode of Chart of Fortune, the astrology podcast where I look at the birth charts of the moments and things that made pop culture. I'm your host, Elise Blaylock, and as you likely know, it's been a damn minute since we had a new episode. I mean, I have to tell you, I know it's my fault we don't have a new episode, but I really, really, really missed sitting down and like looking into astrology stuff and recording something. I feel a slight twinge of guilt every time I have to have a like re-release episode. I could not even bring myself to make an Instagram post when I re-released The Bachelor last week. So if you're salty with me, just know that my Virgo moon is punishing me as much as I humanly can. On that note, I really hate when people share too much on a podcast. Like, I don't want to know about your weird recurring dream or that you had to, like, schedule a dog's root canal, like, and it was very stressful. I'm sure it was. So I'll just be quick about my absence and say that I have some valid reasons and then a lot of lesser excuses about why there has not been an old school, snarky, astrological podcast focused on the minute moments of pop culture from the early 2000s in your podcast app by Joyce. But my dog was not actually feeling well. I've had some serious issues with where I live and I worked an entire work week, like all of the hours I'm scheduled to work, in four days instead of five. So there are real reasons. I miss you. I'd much rather hang out with you than like deal with adulting. But I also have those low-level excuses. Like, I took a vacation. I saw people I haven't seen in more than two years. And some people I haven't seen in about a year. And I left my house for something fun and unrelated to my normal quarantine life for the first time since December 2019. I sat in a swimming pool. I wore heels on a very, very sketchy bus. I overpaid for mediocre iced coffee. AKA, I lived my best fucking life. So if you are listening, I want to tell you, thank you for holding on. Thank you for being patient, or at least maybe seeing my Instagram post or something and deciding to give me another chance after the nonsense that is a repeat episode. I have what I feel are a lot of fun episodes coming soon, Um, although I always think that, and then, you know, sometimes the universe does not agree. But regardless, I am so ready to be back here yammering into a mic in the middle of the night. I'm sure that our neighbors are fucking thrilled. Virgos, first and foremost, I need to deliver on some good themed episodes for you. We cannot have your season pass without proper acknowledgement. Maybe you know or someone around you knows that Virgo is the most common sign of the Zodiac. So, hot tip for everyone, if you're ever really stumped at guessing someone's sign, or like their rising sign, or maybe you're just drunk in a bathroom, do you remember being drunk at public events? Kind of miss that. Consider guessing Virgo, okay? Because you are most likely, statistically, to be correct. And if they push back, you can, as you slur your words while you're digging through your handbag for lipstick, not that I would do that, then you could just say something like, look, I just got this like really grounded presence from you. I just feel like you're really on like top of your shit, you know, like a Virgo would be. Okay, maybe don't do this, especially if they were just like dry heaving in a bathroom stall, because that doesn't feel like peak Virgo energy, unless it was a very artful, very classic puke and rally. You know it, you've probably done it. But we cannot just be satisfied in Virgo season with the fact that Beyonce published a truly bizarre Virgo yearbook. And we can't just 
have the smug knowledge that the Met Gala is also always in Virgo season. We also need to talk about some very important Virgo news that really only affects me. This is related to my mini-series on MTV Rich Girls, if you haven't listened yet. Um, good for you. I recap all 10 episodes of this one-season show on MTV. It's a reality show featuring Jamie Gleischer and Allie Hilfiger. Yes, that Hilfiger. On this couple of episodes, I have mentioned that one of the rich girls, Jamie Gleischer's mom, her mother, Sheila, I felt definitively that Sheila was either a Cancer or a Gemini. And then as the series went on, I felt strongly as though... Sheila could only be a Cancer. I explain it. I had something we'll call reasoning. Here's the deal. I just saw, you know, when we watch the episode where she has these birthday celebrations, they go to dinner, they drink underage, and Sheila shares this elaborate vision of her funeral. And in another episode, she whines about Jamie leaving for Barnard, which turned out to be only one borough away. It felt very Cancer. But my dear listener, Mama Gleischer is not a cancer. That overly emotional, slightly guilt-tripping vibe was not, in fact, the hallmark of a cancer mother. I found out via the ever-reliable Instagram that Sheila is a Virgo. So I want to take a minute to apologize to any cancers who are injured in the making of this podcast and to any Virgos who were slighted by my oversight. I am actually very sorry. I know you two aren't the signs to cling on to something like this, like a lingering grudge. (laughs) Wait, who am I kidding? I'm a Virgo moon with a Venus in Cancer. I know you people. You hold that grudge. You whisper those salty sentiments under your breath and in your head. I see you. I am you. Cheers to you and to our pettiness. And that brings me to this Virgo-themed episode, which is... Banana is amazing. Like, I die. Just let me judge a little before we get started. On a tribute episode to Virgo Rachel Zoe and her Bravo TV show, The Rachel Zoe Project. If you, like me, were at all alive in the mid-2000s, I'm assuming you were, because otherwise I'm going to feel really old in a minute. Okay, the fashion-themed reality shows of the mid-aughts captured something in me. And I'm wondering if you're listening to this, if it also captured something in you. I was watching The Rachel Zoe Project, and I was watching What Not to Wear, and I was watching Project Runway, and I was watching The Hills, and I was allowing those judgmental thoughts and YSL disco heels to permanently alter my early 20-something personality. Because to this day, I love a large coffee, and I love larger sunglasses. They minimize my nose. And I like the assumed identity that this offered me as a nondescript white bitch. I like clothes. I always have. I always will. I'd love nothing more than to pick up where Lauren Conrad left off and steam a bunch of clothes for a grumpy high-powered stylist in her early 40s who forgot more about dropped waist dresses and clogs than I'll ever know. I imagine her looking at me dismissively despite the fact that I'm basically now her age since I'm definitely in my 30s. She would stand over me with her arms crossed, lips pursed, while I'm pressing a hem. She's absentmindedly ashes her cigarette into my hair. And then after I complain, she tells me to be thankful because you can only buy those cigarettes in Europe and they cost more than my car. I tell you all of this deep information about my lack of a personality. uh, And I tell you the following sensitive information because I want us to regain some closeness here, to pick up where we left off. 
I was the co-vice president of my college's fashion club, which was really just coordinating a fashion show and attending weird loft parties where all the clothing was made out of gray felt, except what I wore because that was from Target. It's called culture, you know. The Rachel Zoe Project, however, premiered on September 9th, 2008 on Bravo. I don't remember the show premiere itself, but I do remember how weird the theme song was. It's a song, I think. It's one song. But it's a woman making kind of these proto-Katy Perry-esque turkey noises, like, kind of opera-y. And then some of the lyrics were, and I'm notorious for getting lyrics wrong, but I believe that they were, quote, and you don't know just how to hypnotize me, end quote. It's probably something else. I also remember that my husband finds the show infinitely boring. Like, this would be an alternative to some kind of sleep medication for him. He would argue, why would any sane person, obviously not me, want to watch an over-caffeinated bird-like woman and her two begrudging assistants hang up clothing, move clothing in and out of Escalades, and use odd catchphrases like, I die, when they see particularly delightful shoes or earrings or an outfit that the client has to wear to the premiere of their movie in New York. I get it. The show is completely inane. Rachel is absolutely out of touch with what you and I would consider reality, even in the post-apocalyptic reality that is 2021. Rachel is someone who packed Chanel, I believe vintage Chanel, for her hospital bag when giving birth. She gave her husband a car, I think it was for their wedding anniversary, but a car. And she had at least 17 checked bags of clothing for Paris Fashion Week. It is a week. Okay. To this point of excess and fashion, I think Libra and Leos get all the internet memes for being stylish. And this frustrates me because I'm a Gemini and I think we're very stylish too. But I think we should give Virgo a little more credit. Okay. Virgos are not necessarily the most aesthetically driven people. They often prefer that their life is very practical, that it makes sense. They're very particular. They are an earth sign, but they are ruled by the sign of Mercury. And this is something I've noticed a lot. All of the Virgo placements in my life, because I have some Virgo sons in my life, but I have a lot of people who have like a prominent Virgo placement, like a, something in the anorotic or zero degree, or someone who's Virgo rising, Virgo moon is me. All of these Virgo placement people have a very clear vision of what they like to look like, how they like to dress or what their makeup looks like. And as Project Runway taught us, you need to have a point of view to be successful in this rough and tumble business that is the inane fashion world. And I mentioned this on my Instagram many, many moons ago, but all of the Virgo risings I know or am aware of culturally really only like to wear matte nail polish in classic shades. It's like a red wine kind of color, a black color, a nude pink, maybe a white, this also tracks with Rachel Zoe, who was born on September 1st, 1971, because she often only wears dark nail polish and is a Virgo rising. Rachel has long told the world that she is a triple Virgo, which in astrology world would mean that her sun, moon, and rising are all in the sign of Virgo. But here's where this gets a little dicey. My online research of her birth chart, where she was born, when she was born, says that she is a Virgo sun and rising. But she's a Capricorn moon. Hear me out. I think she, maybe she was just like too pumped up on those unmarked Starbucks Mente cups to remember her birth time. We've all been there. 
seriously, you probably know someone who has messed up their birth time. I messed up my birth time once online, was just getting into astrology, and I found out I might have been a Scorpio rising for about 20 minutes. I really spent most of that time wondering why I had not been blessed with the ability to smolder, only to discover that my lack of decision-making abilities and my general affinity for small talk were decidedly a Libra rising hallmark, not a Scorpio rising. So the show, The Rachel Zoe Project, and Rachel Zoe herself are both Virgo sons, and the show kind of highlights some of those themes of serving other people that Virgo is known for. I think when we hear acts of service or like people who are serving others, I get this very kind of nebulous Oprah charity work of it all, where it's like, oh, they just, you know, heal people or they're like spiritual in some way, or they're like people doing the nitty gritty work of a nonprofit job and like helping people in tangible ways. But I think that kind of is limiting because it doesn't account for the idea that there are customer service jobs or people who are client facing. And this is Rachel Zoe, right? Rachel's job is working for other people. Rachel only makes money if people hire her to tell, have them be told by her what they should wear. She is in charge of putting the right outfit on the right person for the right moment. I believe Rachel when she says the best part of her job is when her clients thank her and tell her how amazing her pick made them feel. Also, Virgo is about the concept of being discerning. Virgos, since they're ruled by Mercury, but they're grounded like an earth sign, a lot of what Virgos really excel at in different parts of their lives could be looking at information and then synthesizing that information or learning a bunch of information and then communicating it to other people. Virgo is ruled by Mercury, as I've mentioned, and Rachel as a Virgo rising has Mercury ruling her chart. Whatever sign you have as your rising sign, that planet that rules that sign is going to be your ruling planet. It's going to rule your chart, chart ruler. We got it. So while I think Rachel is a decidedly piss poor communicator, her life's passion is about communicating because it's about figuring out and communicating her client's personality and vibe through the clothing and accessories that she picks. I'm going to get a little Stacey London on us for a minute. If you know who Stacey London is, then we just became best friends. And if you don't, uh, my fabulous assistant Google is always available. But we never want to admit this, but clothing really does give us incredible insight into another person. And we might not know that person in any way, shape, or form. We could just be behind them at the grocery store or in an airport, or they could be a coworker or someone you ride the elevator with or something. But what we wear, what other people wear, tells people clues about us or that other person. It's about our personality. It could give them a general idea about our age, what we might do for work or for fun. And we can strategically alter these perceptions to make people think what we want them to think about us by choosing what we wear. Obviously, we should be past the point where we judge people physically, and I'm not trying to negate that. I'm just trying to say that the reality of human nature is that we are judgmental pricks. We are possessed with this old reptile brain that tells us to like take everything in, especially if you are female or someone who's maybe in a marginalized group. You spend a lot of time being aware of your surroundings and other people, and that comes from a very reptilian safety perspective. And it has evolved to snark, where we look at the VMA fashion and say somebody looked fat in those pants, which is not helpful in any way. But ultimately, 
the Rachel Zoe project highlights something really unique, which is, and also really timeless, which is people will always judge you for what you look like in the current like societal conditions we have. And the only option that you have in that is to either not play by those rules or strategically understand and use those rules to your advantage. I went ahead and looked at the astrology of the show's chart for a hot minute. And every time this happens, I always think there's going to be a really clear signature that the movie did really well or the show is a total flop. And sometimes there are those little indicators. And if I find them, I share them. But sometimes there's just like a really interesting moment that's happening. And that's kind of what I want to talk about next. I don't believe that if you looked at this show's chart, you'd say, okay, like Virgo sun... Virgo rising, Cap Moon, like, or I'm sorry, Taurus rising, Cap Moon, like, there's an Earth trine there that looks good. But I don't know that that would say to me, like, any of these placements, like, this is definitively a huge success. There are going to be five seasons of the show of Rachel freaking out, of her wearing sunglasses indoors at inappropriate times, of her covering up Karl Lagerfeld's terrible antics and opinions by turning an entire generation of white millennial women into Chanel fans. But it is interesting, okay, it's interesting to me, that this show premiered in a second house perfection year for Rachel. We talk about these a lot, but if you are new here, I'll make it quick. Perfection years are the year idea that for every year that you are born, a house in your chart becomes the focus of attention. And to a specific extent, whatever planets or asteroids or whatever you got going there, even just if you don't have anything in that house, what sign it's in is going to be a big deal that's going to be something you want to look at. What is interesting to me is that it's a second house year. The second house is about our resources, what we have going on. In a lot of modern astrology, you'll hear the idea that is concepts around money, like our money. The eighth house, the opposite house that they kind of correspond to, eighth house is other people's money. But second house stuff is our stuff. Second house years can be really lucrative times in our lives. It could be a time to where you know, we're really enriched in our values or certain resources come into play. Maybe it's that we, you know, like didn't have something in our lives for a long time. And then it kind of comes back into our lives. It could even be something like a resource that you have for yourself while you feel like you're doing a better job with your mental health practice or how you're, you know, working through the world. But second house years, if they are well aspected, there are often going to be themes of like, gaining things like the idea of something being lucrative not just in a financial sense and there could be times where you have a second house perfection year and there are a lot of strains on resources at that time like maybe you have a bunch of expenses that you didn't see coming and that puts a strain on resources maybe you just actually feel very stretched thin as a person and that could be that there are also some heavy or really hard transits that are hitting your birth chart that makes that you know, stretching of resources or a lack of resources really apparent. Now, in Rachel's case, it's a second year perfection, and we want to look at her birth chart and the birth chart of the show to get a little more info. Saturn in 2008 is in the sign of Virgo, and on the premiere date when the show aired, it's in the 12th degree of the sign Virgo. So this Saturn placement in the show forms a very close conjunction with Rachel's natal sun and her ascendant. Her sun is exactly conjunct her ascendant, her rising, at 8 degrees of Virgo. 
Now, I know what you're thinking. Sun Ascendant, those are good vibes. They're meeting up with Saturn. It does not sound particularly pleasant. You're like, I don't think I want this to happen to me, please. But if you've been working diligently on something, if you've been working behind the scenes, this transit could really be a breakthrough for you. You know how we think about like actors and actresses and they like work for a very long time sometimes and then they have that role or something, you know, happens and then they become like a person you know, where like all of a sudden you know who they are because they were on this Netflix show, but all of a sudden like, you know, you're like very sheltered coworker is like, do you know so-and-so? And you're like, in fact, I do, but I suspect not for the reasons that you do. Like that kind of thing. Basically, if you've been putting in the work, okay, if you've been doing the Saturnian, showing up, clocking in, doing doing the thing, likely this transit can give you that reward or an acknowledgement of the universe saying like, hey, we see you're doing the work. So the fact that Rachel had been working since she was in college and she was finally getting this real career breakthrough in her like 30s. That felt very Saturnian to me, not because it's like post center return, but because it's like you've spent that much time building up a relationship, building up a career that now is the time where all of those chips, you can cash them in. You can take all those Saturn hard work, all of those coins at the casino, and you can put them on the sun and ascendant and boom, it will be a good thing. Typically. Um, I think in Rachel's case, it definitely was. We'd also want to look at like a bunch of other things to to really get a full picture. The other thing I want to talk about, and I messed up earlier, the show's birth chart is a Taurus rising. So Rachel is Virgo sun, Virgo rising, Capricorn moon, and the show is Virgo sun, Taurus rising. And because it's Taurus rising, we want to talk about it because that means that the show's chart is ruled by Venus, which is the ruling planet of the sign Taurus. And I really felt like this made sense because Venus is about our appearance. The show also has its natal Venus in Libra, which is a very strong placement because Libra is the other sign that is ruled by Venus. So the fact that this is a show about aesthetics and that those are kind of the values of the show, like it is about clothing and expression and fashion, that feels like this show is very clear in its intent. It's very like inauthentic placement, right? Like this is a show about clothing. It doesn't pretend to be anything else. Here's what it is. With a Taurus rising, because you know I love a house. I always want to talk about houses. I know you're tired of me talking about houses, but this is my podcast. So with a Taurus rising, that puts Virgo in the fifth house of creativity and children and casual sex and gambling. Now, the casual sex gambling thing, that doesn't happen on this show because um, Rachel's always a workaholic. So eventually there's kids. That's kind of hush-hush. We're not really going to talk about it because I don't really care. But I immediately was like, okay, Virgo in the fifth. This is Rachel's proverbial baby. And then I was like, "Uh, okay, can someone please, can we as a society think of a better term for this than calling like your career projects and aspirations or your passion projects or something that you're just like really into your baby. Like if you use a different phrase, can you just like let me know what that is? Because I would really like to use something else because I think what it makes it seem is like, oh, the value and the pinnacle and the apex is reproduction. And I think that that's um, terrible. So basically this show, like, is a huge fucking deal for Rachel Zoe, okay? It is a triumphant moment that allowed her to get 
more celebrity clientele and deals with now dead and gone online store Piper Lime, R.A.P. It was mostly shoes. But and eventually Rachel's going to get her own line of clothing. Now she has the Zoe Report, which is a lifestyle brand. She's worked for very, very expensive designers and gotten paid through that. And this show also opened the door for countless other aspiring stylists to have their work and passion made accessible to a TV audience. People got the inside information on how celebrities found clothing for the red carpet that we see them photographed at, but we don't know where that dress comes from. Maybe we know what the designer is, but we don't know that in between the middleman of it all. It's kind of addressing the phenomenon that I talked about with Kitson and Ashley Page, where in this mid to late 2000s, there's a certain movement in celebrity that moves away from like the really old school Hollywood where, you know, you just don't talk about your personal life to this very clear, like the celebrities we like the most are celebrities who are accessible. We want to have paparazzi showing us that they go to Starbucks and park their car and wander around a store just like we do. We don't want them to be this very detached kind of 1940s starlet where we don't know anything about them, but they're always lovely and happily married and something another. Seeing minor celebrities, because really, like, let's be real, the big clients that Rachel Zoe styles regularly are not on the show. We do not see Lindsay. We do not see the Backstreet Boys. Uh, we do get to see, like, Joy Bryant, who's very lovely. We get to see Molly Sims a lot, which, sure, she was in the show called Las Vegas. I really believed for a long time that I made the show up. Like, I was like, I had this fever dream with Josh Dubell and Molly Sims where they were in Vegas. It was a show. It was a show I never watched. Um, maybe this is slowly morphing into a therapy session we don't have time for. But anyway, seeing celebrities, even the minor celebrities that are on this show, pick out an outfit with Rachel Zoe like makes us trust Rachel Zoe makes us feel like she is an expert and it makes us also like want her opinion or want to like what she likes because she is an expert and Rachel Zoe really paves the way through this television show for us to really like have a world where we live that there are TikTok videos of behind the scenes like Jessica Chastain getting ready or Instagram stories of celebs like showing their hair and makeup team for the VMAs or the Cannes Film Festival or the Met Gala or the Oscars. The final thing that I want to talk about with the show is kind of weird also, and that is that the show and Rachel both have a Capricorn moon in their birth charts. My initial thought was to be very curious about this premiere date. So I like dove into the internet and I thought, okay, someone picked this. Someone purposely picked this date and time because they, like us, love a good astrology Easter egg. But then, like, I couldn't find anything. And I will say this, I don't know that we can just assume that Andy Cohen, he's a Gemini, could just like not consider astrology at all. I definitely see someone, him, as someone who's like very weird about dating certain sun signs, which I don't particularly subscribe to, but you know, your experience is real. I can kind of picture him saying to a friend, like, my friends always say I should date an Aquarius, but they don't share my taste in pop culture. Like, how am I going to vibe with that? My load in this thought about Andy Cohen, like, I feel like he very much has signs he does and does not date. Someone please tell me the truth. But I suspect that the show premiered when it did on Bravo because it's after Labor Day weekend, which is typically a time where we stop airing, like, reruns of shows or there's summer shows and we have our fall shows. And it's also the time where we do our best to turn in our margaritas for sweaters and decide that after spending months outside, we need to retreat inward. And that means binging reality television. I 
I have a weird soft spot for Capricorn moons. So I do want to talk about this placement. I know a lot of people don't really like Capricorn moons. I know that if you go to the dark depths of hell that is Reddit astrology at times, people are very unkind about Earth moons, and I am not here for that. Okay? I get it. Capricorn moons. It is not the most emotive or the natural placement for the moon because the moon loves being in signs like Cancer and Taurus and arguably Libra. And in stoic, diligent, and controlled Capricorn, I don't think the moon is super thrilled to be there. Okay? When we talk about a planet being in a certain sign, I... Okay, roll with this example. Maybe this will make sense to you. This is how I think about it. I like to imagine that the moon is like her own personality. In my mind, it's a woman because I have to have them be people. It's your loving aunt or older sister or like overly nurturing friend. And she has agreed to house sit for someone else you know who lives in a cement floor minimalist high-rise apartment, okay? So your adorable little aunt mom friend brought a little pet that she has and her throw blankets and her candles because cozy, nurturing. And then they show up to this place that is like, varying shades of charcoal gray it's very moody and dark and cold and there's not a lot of like natural warmth or like anything that isn't a rectangle the moon isn't going to be thrilled in capricorn it it is what it is but modern astrology is a lot of the times about reclaiming these placements in our chart that are maybe like not traditionally the most auspicious or easy to deal with because the reality is is you're not unless your birth time is wrong. Like, that's your chart. It's not going to change. It's a moment in time. And arguably, it is not the most important thing about you. But if you're going to be using your birth chart, then you're going to need to know, like, what these placements are about and what you can do with them. So, Capricorn Moon. In the show, and about Rachel herself, there is a certain kind of Capricorn aloofness, okay? Rachel is very straightforward about many things in her life. Specifically, she has this job so that she can afford the designer pieces she loves. We often see her pull clothes for a client and then go ahead and pull some stuff for herself that she's definitely keeping. But here's like the Capricorn part of it. It's very worky. We don't meet any of Rachel's friends like in her life. We don't like see Rachel do anything like that you and I would do, like go to a friend's birthday really or... um you know, like have this heart to heart with someone. Her sister's on a couple of episodes, but it's, it's not quite what I'm looking for. We don't meet friends. We don't see her do anything besides like work, travel. She goes to a doctor and that's like somehow supposed to fulfill us to know her. There's a certain lack of relating that happens in the show. But this is kind of the nuanced part of the Capricorn moon of it all. Symbolically, as we've talked about many times, the moon signifies significant female relationships or like nurturing relationships in your own. You might want to consider your moon sign. And if you have a mother figure or a parent or a mentor of some kind, that's a very deep emotional connection. And this leads me to my secret theory that Taylor, one of Rachel's assistants, early seasons of Rachel Zoe, is a Capricorn. I searched high and low for Rachel, for not Rachel, Taylor's birthday and no avail. But guess what? She still has platinum blonde hair. She is still married. She has a kid now, but she's like a cool mom because her public Instagram has memes with champagne and she has a kid's clothing line. You know, she's a mama in the know. But while Taylor was on the show, she was always there for Rachel. Rachel is a mentor to Taylor, which feels very moon. Uh, kind of vibes but Taylor supports and protects Rachel from having to be like a mean business owner and making tough choices I'm gonna get to this tough choices thing in a minute 
it's a weird dynamic to me. Wait, because Rachel and Taylor work very well together. They have a good eye. They communicate with each other well about clothing and clients. But I often feel like there is a lot unsaid here. And that is kind of how Capricorn placements like it a lot. Like if they have to tell you, they will. They can definitely be blunt. But I think that they share a weird scorpionic thing about like not letting it all hang out, not letting it all be visible. As you probably know if you've watched the show, but if you don't, um, I think it's online for free. Rachel cycles through many other assistants through the five years of her show. She has another notable assistant besides, of course, the random appearance of Jeremiah in a later season. If you are an HGTV head, then you know that Jeremiah is married to Nate Berkus and they are on HGTV all the time, making our houses look terrible. But I am, of course, referencing in this situation, Brad Goreski. Brad is a Leo son. This was very easy to confirm, unlike Taylor. This is basically readily apparent to anyone who has been within the vicinity of Brad Goreski, remembers Brad Goreski. He was on E-Red Carpet for a hot minute, or just when there was like a lot of feuding between Rachel and Brad when he quit working for her. Now, I watched a lot of the show recently, and I was always very Team Brad because he embodies with a lot of things I like about Leos. They're kind of warm. A lot of the times they're able to, you know, make people feel welcome or they're, you know, included, inclusive or easy to get along with sometimes. They're kind of light. They know to keep things light and bubbly or fun. But he turned on Rachel in the end. Like, Rachel turned on Taylor. Then Brad turned on Rachel. And Maybe this is me being a slight Jessica Simpson apologist, but I firmly believe that you do not throw someone under the bus until your memoir, obviously. And where is Taylor's memoir explaining whether or not she stole designer clothing as Rachel accused her of, or something else maybe more nefarious happened? Like, did the clothing go missing? Did it get stolen? Did it get damaged and they couldn't return it? Why did Taylor just get jettisoned from Rachel Zoe after she claimed she wouldn't be able to fit into any of the clothes that were stolen? But back to Brad and Taylor for a hot minute because we're on the Capricorn of it all. As you might imagine, Capricorns and Leos are probably not the most natural friends in the Zodiac. I definitely think they can be close, but they're not a pairing where it just feels like an instantaneous connection typically. Part of that is they don't form a major aspect with one another, so they don't form an opposition or um, a conjunction, a square, a trine, a sextile, anything like that. And they are not the same element. Capricorn is an earth sign. Leo is a fire sign. You might find people with the same element as your sun sign you kind of get along with or deeply understand. And they are different modalities. Car Capricorn is a cardinal sign. Leo is a fixed sign. So it will come as no surprise that Taylor and Brad are not the most collaborative, supportive co-workers. They often come to issues with work with completely different solutions and they have very different working styles. For example, Taylor prefers stony silence while she hangs up clothing, and Brad prefers the dulcet sounds of his own voice. But Taylor and Brad don't always fight with each other on the show, and this is again that kind of weird energy that Capricorn Moon can give us, which is they work very well together when they have a common goal to accomplish. But the second Rachel and her mutable ass decide she doesn't want to communicate the hard information that it takes to run a business or make a decision, specifically, there's an episode I'm referencing where there's a huge fight over who is going to go to Paris for Paris Fashion Week. And this lack of decision from Rachel really brings out the difference in who Taylor is and who Brad is. Taylor, in what felt very Capricorn energy to me, 
looked at all of the things that Rachel had signed up for while they were on Paris Fashion Week, like all of the clients that needed to be styled in Los Angeles for other events, and decided that she would stay home to manage those accounts because she was a more senior stylist while Brad went to Paris Fashion Week with Rachel. Now, this was the diplomatic, smart, analytic thing to do, but of course Taylor's fucking pissed about being put in the situation, and I think most of us would be. Brad, on the other hand, did want to go to Paris, felt guilty about not staying because he, of course, is the junior stylist and this is a big opportunity to go to Paris Fashion Week. But he did the bad, unevolved Leo thing where he got into being dramatic by arguing with Taylor that he's out of the loop, that he should have been privy to some of the conversations that Rachel and Taylor had with one another. And Taylor, much like our old pal Lauren Conrad, will always be known as the girl who didn't go to so whether you're more astrology fashion stylist Rachel or her finance facial hair loving husband Roger, please remember, dear listener, that everyone and everything has a birth chart, but yours is a chart of fortune. Thank you for listening to Chart of Fortune. You can leave me questions, comments, future episodes, ideas via email at chartoffortune at gmail.com or just search Chart of Fortune on Instagram to find my account. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to. It makes my day, makes my week, honestly makes my month to see one. It helps other listeners find this podcast, and it makes me feel like the star my Leo Midheaven wishes I was. Also, DM me a pic of your review, and I will send you a glow-in-the-chart, chart of fortune sticker. Thanks so much. Bye!